Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Hey, good to see each of you. Like Michael mentioned earlier, I am starting a uh, new series. It's a quick series. It's a, it's a, it's a short series. It's only going to be four weeks, kind of the rest of July. Um, but it's one that's been on my heart and one that leads into the next one. Um, and so the series is simply, I just titled it the Confidence Series because it's all about confidence. And confidence is, a, is an interesting thing. Let me read some definition of confidence, and then I'll kind of set the table. Uh, confidence, full trust, belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or a thing, belief in oneself, in one's power, in one's ability, self-confidence, self-reliant, assurance, the feeling of belief that one can have faith and rely on someone or something a feeling of having little doubt about yourself and your abilities or a feeling of trust in someone or something. You could have confidence in a lot of things. What I have found is when a person has confidence in an area, they're not timid. But when they're not confident in an area, they're timid. And so I want to look at this from the perspective of a spiritual confidence. There's a difference. Because I believe that it's very, very, very important for individual people, especially people who claim to be saved and born again, to be very confident spiritually. Because when they're confident spiritually, they're powerful. But when they're not confident spiritually, they're very timid. Well, if you take a whole bunch of believers and put them together and you call a place called the church and they're all timid, unconfident believers, that church got no power. It's got no power at all. You see, it is, it, I'm telling you, when the church, little church, begins to exercise confidence outside the church, then the people outside the church will be confident in the church inside. I I just don't think people are very confident in the church today. And largely because the people who exemplify the church outside the church, they're not very confident. And we'll talk about that. So here's my question. Are you a man or woman of confidence? Spiritual confidence. I want to walk you through just kind of an intro of how to be confident spiritually. What do I need to be confident in? Number one, here's what you need to be confident in. Number one is simply this. God made you. You think, well, boy, that's deep, preacher. You get up pretty early to get that one. Listen to me. I know that's not real deep, but here's my problem. Here's the problem with that. If you you are messed up, 
with the fact that you're not real sure, real confident that God made you, what a threat you're going to be. You're going to walk around like some wimp little pup. You're not going to be a threat. You're not going to make an impact for Christ. You don't even know who made you. You're going you're to be confident. Listen, the Bible says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, let us make man. Let me help you with something. In order to get an us, there's got to be more than one. Y'all agree with that? All right, so, so God made you, but really us made you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three present at creation made you. I want to tell you something. That better give somebody some giddy up. I mean, if that doesn't fire you up, your firewood's very wet, okay? It won't burn. You better dry out before winter. Hey, listen to me. You, you, that, that, you got to have confidence. Then he goes on to say in verse 27, let us make him in our image. I've been made in God's image. I've been made by us in the us image. That's a big deal. Because when I walk my feet on this dirt ball in my little earth suit, I represent him. Listen to me. Number one, God made you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he made you in the image of God. That alone should prime you pump. Amen? Number two, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. Do you, do you, can you put your head around that? The God of all creation. The God that knows the grains of sand. Knows the number. He knows the hairs on your head or lack thereof. He, the creator, wants to have a relationship with you. I mean, John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm, how cool is that? Now, out in West Texas, we don't have a creature, a critter, basically, called a fire ant. But I spent a lot of time in East Texas. Fire ants will drive you crazy in East Texas. Fire ants will sting cattle, kill them. They'll kill baby deer that won't get off the ground. Unfortunately, I have a family friend when I was growing up that died from fire ants. He was mowing down by the pond, and his tractor tipped over, and it pinned his leg under the tractor, and he didn't come up for lunch, and his wife went looking for him, and fire ants come out of that ground and stung him to death. He couldn't get up. Fire ants are a bad deal. Fire ants get in your yard. They make you very, very, very mad. Now, here's what you got to do with fire ants. Fire ants get in your yard. You go out in your yard, and you go, get out of my yard, and they just run. <laughs> That's not true, right? That's not how that works. Listen to me. You, you can kick them. You can spit. You can scream. You can holler. But they're like, dude, you're weird, and we're going to invite more people to come watch you. All right? That's not how you get them out of there. So here's the deal. Fire ants, they're just crazy. They go everywhere. It's kind of like the little humans in earth suits. It's everywhere. Sometimes good places, sometimes bad places. 
And Jesus became an ant to communicate to us, to say, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. He, he tried forever to get to man, to get his attention, to speak to him, to teach him his ways, and he couldn't. He said, I'm just going to become them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to show them. Jesus became basically us to reach us. He was not us. He was more than us, but he became like us, born in a, like a baby, born as a baby, just like us, to get to us, to have a personal relationship with you, a personal relationship. He made you, but he didn't just make you to leave you. He became like you to get to know you because he's crazy about you. The God of all creation wants to have relationship with me. Just say that, and it gives you confidence. Third thing is this. To demonstrate how bad he wants to have relationship with you, he died for you. Jesus died for you. John 3, 16, we know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at a whole bunch of whosoever's. Y'all some good looking whosoever's. All of your whosoever's. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 reminds us of this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this than a friend that laid down his life for you. (laughs) Jesus is the ultimate friend. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to have personal relationship with you. He demonstrated his love for you on a cross called Calvary because he died in your place because you could not die in that place because you had sin in your life. He was without sin. He was a beautiful spotless lamb that gave his life. Nobody got him, chased him down, captured him. They didn't throw a fishnet over him. They didn't wound him and track him down like a dog. He gave himself up. He gave himself up because of his great love for you and me. Man, that's got to give you some confidence. Listen to me. You, You say, well, I already believe that, preacher. Good. See, one thing to believe something, it's another thing to walk in something. See, we say what we believe <laughs> a lot, but it's a big deal when you do what you believe. Nobody listens to this anymore, but everybody watches those steps. See, when you walk in the confidence that God made you, you walk in the confidence that, that, that Jesus died for you because he wants personal relationship with you, you walk differently knowing those truths. You do. You walk with your shoulders up and your head up. You don't look at the ground. You look at people. And you realize that every person your eye make contact to, he did the same for them. You see them different. You look at them different. Jesus died for you. Fourth thing is this. 
You must be born again. That's what he said. For every one of us, he says, you must be born again. John 6, 26 simply says this. No one, none of the whosoever's comes to the Father unless the Spirit, the Father, draws him. So you didn't come by any other means except the Spirit of God drawing you. And you won't come any other way. Your mama can't drag you to the preacher to pray a prayer to be saved. She can drag you, you can pray the prayer, and you can leave with your head saved and your body lost. You're saved when the Spirit of God draws you there. I mean, my sweet wife was dragged at seven years old to the preacher and said, yes, sir, so many times, just like a really good-mannered little girl, and lived 20 years, looked back at 26 and said, I'm supposed to be 20 years old right now as a believer. There is no change, no peace in my life. I don't think I was ever saved. I was just dragged to the preacher. Listen, we, I don't draw you. The Father draws you. Amen. I, I, I'm unworthy. I was drawn myself. If I need to be drawn to the Father to be saved, I'm not drawing you. The Spirit that drew me will draw you, and you will get saved because of him. Not because of me. I'm not, I'm not that guy, all right? I want you to go to John's gospel real quick. I want you to see a, just a real quick encounter here. We know this encounter really well, but it doesn't hurt to see this a bunch, see this a bunch all right? This is Jesus and Nicodemus. We know the encounter that takes place. John chapter three, look at verse five. John chapter three, look at verse five. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. When a person, man or woman, boy or girl, is born again, they are supernaturally saved by the power that raised Christ from the dead. You have power in you because you are born again. Galatians 2.20 says, I have died to myself. I, I'm nothing, man. But I, what I, live, I, I live and walk in faith because what Jesus did in me. He, he, he's the one that does it. And when a person gets saved, when they realize that God made them, God loves them, wants a personal relationship with them, God died on a cross for them, and God made a way that they can be born again, I'm telling you, that person has confidence in who they are. I'm going to tell you the most dangerous thing is a person who says they're saved, but you can't tell it. Sends mixed messages. That person is not going to advance the kingdom whatsoever. They're just not. Let me tell you what's dangerous is a confident, born-again believer. Because when they know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 
that they are born again and saved. And, the, and I'm telling you, they know they are born again and saved. They are confident that they're saved. They will absolutely witness to a fence post if it stays there long enough because they're powerful. They're confident in who they are. Listen to me. When you're not confident that you're born again, when you're not confident that there's been a time in your life where you're born again, you will not share your faith. You won't. Because if that person, for some unknown reason, flips the question and says, well, tell me when you were born again. And you stutter and drool all over yourself. It's just not a pretty picture. And it's probably not going to happen for salvation on the other end of that. A lot of people are afraid to share Christ with someone because the person they share with might ask them, about their story. People with a story that's confident about their story will share. People that aren't confident about their story, they won't share. Being born again and knowing you're born again gives a person enormous confidence. So let me ask you, there's another word. When you talk about confidence, spiritual confidence, there's another word that we use. The word is simply boldness. A person that is bold Boldness, in its biblical sense, is not a personality trait. You say, my personality just makes me bold. (laughs) No, it doesn't. That's not a personality trait. I've seen 99-year-old little women, bold. I've seen little kids that are bold. I've seen a bunch of different types of people bold. Boldness is not about personality. Okay, Boldness is daring. It's courageous, it's bravery, it's fearlessness, and it's confidence in the spirit. Boldness is totally different. And another area that a person must be confident in is you must be filled with the spirit. When a person is filled with the spirit, they are bold. I mean bold. I don't mean bold, I mean bold, all right? I want you to go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians five, look at verse 17. Ephesians 5, 17, therefore, and I've taught you about therefores, okay? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the Lord's will. How many times do we say, I just want to do what God's will is? Oh, all right then. Here you go. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Some people say Paul is the greatest Christian of all times. Well, man, if he is, I'm following him. He says, listen, dude, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You better be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have boldness. You have boldness. Acts 1, 7, and 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So I'm glad Gene's here today. Gene, 
telling you, good to see you, brother. All right. Mm. So we had Joyce, Joyce Marshall, Jean's wife, passed away, well, they said Monday, but we believe Sunday, but we had her funeral Thursday. And a gentleman in the family came up to me at the conclusion of the service and was talking about the service and complimenting the service and things like that. And he said, I, Preach, I got, I got to tell you this story. I said, all right. He said, um, first of all, I want to confess that, that I haven't been in church in a long, long time. I said, okay. He said, well, I want to tell you why. I said, okay. So he said, when I was going to church, the pastor and I were really close, almost like best friends. We were always eating together. I was like, I have that problem. So, uh, so he said, we were very close, always eating together. So there was a time in my life where my son was going through a really hard time. And I kept going to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my son. I pray for you, son. I pray for him. And then we'd eat again. And I said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my son. I'll pray for him. You, you can count on me. I'll pray for you. All right? I tell him again, Pastor, I need you to pray for my son. Hey, man, I'm going to pray for him. We have this thing at church, Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'm going to put him on the list. We're going to pray for him. He said, Jeff, I left, and I just wanted to scream. I don't want my son on a, not, he said stupid. It's not stupid. He was kind of upset. He said, I don't want my son on a stupid prayer list for Wednesday night prayer meeting. I want my pastor to pray for my son by name. And he wouldn't do it. So I stopped going to church. He said, one day I was playing golf. And a buddy of mine I was supposed to play golf with texted me on the way. He said, I'm not going to make it. So I'm already at the, what's it called, pro shop? And it's pro shop. I'm in line, going to get my cart. And so I just went ahead and decided to play. So a guy behind me, didn't know him from Adam, I, he said, are you playing alone? The guy asked, he said, are you playing alone? He said, I'm playing alone. The guy behind him says, hey, uh, I, I'm playing by myself. You, you want to play together today? Sure. Let's do it. He said, I didn't know this guy. So we started playing golf. We started going through the golf course, playing. We got down hose five and four and five and start talking about my family, host six. I just felt like I should, I just felt comfortable with the guy. I just shared with him about my son. So we get ready to go up to the hole number seven. I put my tee in the ground, put my ball in there. I walk back, give him a club. The guy walks up to me, puts his arm around me. He says, hey, man, the Spirit told me to pray for your son. And so he just grabs him. I mean, he just called down heavens, what my guy said. He said, man, he started praying for my son. He was speaking things about my son. I just started weeping, man. He said, all those years, I told my pastor, can you just pray for my son? He wouldn't pray for my son. A total stranger, I didn't even know him, just met him. He prayed for my son. He said, Jeff, you know why he prayed for my son? Because the Holy Spirit lives in that dude, gave him power and boldness, and he just took it upon himself to pray for my son. I said, you're right. You're right. Because Scripture tells us that we don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit tells us what to pray. Let me say something to you. You know what this world needs? Boldness. 
<laughs> it needs a bunch of Holy Spirit saved Christians out there filled with the Holy Spirit like Paul told us to that take the gumption, they have the confidence in who they are in Christ to pray for people they don't even know. And they're begging. They're begging believers and pastors to pray, and they won't pray for them. And he told me at the end, he said, Pastor, you know, Pastor, it's a sad day when a guy leaves a church because his pastor won't pray for him. I was like, dude, you don't even know what you just said. It is a sad day. When a man leaves a church because his pastor won't pray for his son, I said to him on the way out, I saw him at the grave site before he left, and I told him, I said, hey, thanks for sharing that with me, but here's the deal. You got to let your pastor go, and you got to get your tail back in church because this protest of against the church because of what man did. Don't let man stand in the way of what God's doing in your life. Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's the deal, church. You know what's going to change that world out there? Not for them to come in here. <laughs> They're not coming in here. Don't kid yourself. They're not coming in here. We can sell cotton candy and set up a Dunkin' booth and do a roller coaster over the worship center, and they're not coming in this church. But when this church goes out there, filled with the Holy Spirit, and got some confidence in who they are and some boldness by the Spirit of God, and we take the church to them, it'll change them. And we'll never build buildings big enough. We'll have to hold them outside in a big old football field. Because what they're bored with it's a bunch of people that come to church and sing a bunch of songs about how great God is, but they never pray over him and do anything about it out there. Let me tell you what God's got. He's got the seventh green with a tee in the ground and a golf ball sitting on it. And he's got a whole bunch of people out here that need to go get the driver. And I think the term is called grip it and rip it. Amen. I'm not a golfer, but I love that part of golf. What happens after the tee and off? I, I don't understand it. They say, you need a six iron. I'm like, I like seven. Seven won't work. It's not that far from six. Get the anger down, dude. What's wrong with you? Taking medication for that? All right. I don't know what happens after that, but I love the grip and rip because that sounds like Louisville slugger, pull your hands in and hit the fastball. I know what to do there. So when that little white ball sitting on a tee and you give me something, you say, just rip it. I'm like, I, that's what I'm talking that's, you think, that's exactly, I love golf. I love golf. Look how green the grass is. Look at those azaleas. Them pine trees are going, grip it and rip it. I'm, I'm, oh, you got to leave it on the tee? I'm sorry. I was running to throw it up in here, so it doesn't work like that. Listen to me. God's got balls teed up all around us, and he's waiting on us to grip it and rip it. Are you a man or woman of boldness? Some of your balls that are teed up are in your house. You know what your son and daughter really needs, Dad? They need to pray over them. That's what they really need. Stop kidding yourself. They don't need your advice. They need your prayer. They need to hear their earthly father 
talk to their heavenly father through the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I don't even want to pray. <laughs> Good, because I don't either. Every time I pray, I don't even want to pray. But scripture tells me that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me will tell me what to pray. And he does every time. I pray for stuff for people, and I don't even know why I prayed it. And after they go, wow, how'd you know that? I was like, dude, I'm not that smart. I went second grade twice, started all my life. I don't know that. I don't know that, right? There are balls all over the place teed up for us if we'll just grip it and rip it. If you're born again today, may you please, for the love of Jesus, ask the Father to fill you fresh with the Holy Spirit of God so that you will have boldness to take your club and grip it and rip it and hit balls for Jesus because some of us are just walking past them. And that's what they're dying to get, man. They're dying for you to have the boldness to say it to them, pray over them, share it with them, tell your story, agree with them in prayer. Some of your wives need prayer, guys. <laughs> you want to be a hero? Pray with her. Hold her and pray for her. Wives, you want your man's heart back? Grab him and pray over him. Nobody will turn his heart back to you like the father. Some of you guys at work, you want work environment to change? You want the atmosphere to change at work? It's your mission field. Take him and the power of the Holy Spirit to your, to your mission field. He'll change it. I've never seen a mission trip with the presence of God and the Holy Spirit turn loose that doesn't change. Quit leaving Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and all that in church. They're not going to come in here and get that. When they come here, they will, but they're not coming in until you go out there. I believe Jesus is waiting. His return is waiting to see when the church goes outside the church. You say, well, the church is ready. No, it's not. Church isn't ready. The church has got to go be the church first, then the church will be ready. We, are, we want to go from our country club to our gold streets. Somebody got to get dirty. Cross wasn't easy and it wasn't pretty. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. Can't teach boldness. Seminary won't give you boldness. Trust me. I've seen them. They're not bold. Not all of them. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit of God. You got to go get your club and get those golf balls that God's teed up for you all around your life. Grip it and rip it and watch what God does. Grip it and rip it. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we're going to enter a time of ministry, God. We know you're all about ministry. Father, the praise team will come back up and there'll be folks standing up here but God, more importantly than anything, many of us, myself included, we're not taking advantage of the balls you got teed up for us. I pray, Father, that you will help us understand that we need to be confident and bold. And the Holy Spirit of God will make us bold. That we've got to take advantage of those opportunities. So the question today for the church, are you a man or woman of boldness. A man or woman of boldness. And God, may we ask the Holy Spirit to make us bold. Fill us and make us bold. 
And Father, during this time, we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship. And God, if you need to move us, God, sometimes if you move us, it helps. If we just stay there, we'll just promise you stuff that's just endless. We're not gonna do it, we're just gonna say it. God, sometimes you gotta move us. So God, if you need to move us today, then move us. Father, today, whatever you need to do, may we simply do what the Holy Spirit has said to us today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 